Hey guys, Brian here. Real quick before the episode begins, apologies about this one posting so late. I have been extremely busy at my job lately and just did not have a chance to sit down and get this edited until the weekend. Seven, I recorded this back on June 4th. I was hoping to get it up the same night, but unfortunately that did not happen. So this is outdated for sure, but I still wanted to get it up. Thanks guys. Destroyers, so you know what that means. Welcome to another exciting episode of Blood and Destroyers and all the wrestling podcasts brought to you by RPGera.com. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show today, it is Sev. Afternoon, Brian. Afternoon, AEW Galaxy. I've got a little stable for you. This week, we're going with John Cena, Brian Kendrick, Too Cool, and Kane. It's simply called Shout Out to Red, the newest guy in our Discord channel. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, so we got we got a new Discord member, didn't we? Jumped we do, in, uh, Red, wrestling, yes. Wrestling channel, so yeah. Seems potentially fluent in Japanese. Was it translated the uh, Takeshita promo for us before the actual translation came out? We did, yeah, yeah. Very cool. How does that fit into welcoming him to the Discord? You have to explain this one to me in terms of the okay. logic. So uh, John Cena, he talks too much. So he's shy. Obviously, he shouts his moves out, doesn't he? Okay. Brian Kendrick. <laughs> Not wrestling, he's out. Uh, too cool, obviously, too. And then Kane is the big red machine, so shout out to Red. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else would like to jump in and challenge me to make you a stable, then uh, yeah, just, just pop in. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do something. Well, some way. Might not make any sense to anyone but Sev, but damn it, he'll make it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, it's always fun when we get new Discord members, and especially when those members are coming in to talk about wrestling. So if that is you, if you have yet to jump into our Discord server, jump in. Now's the time. It's about to get exciting again. The summer of punk is among us. <laughs> <laughs> the summer of punk is about to begin again. Should be exciting. Special shout out to Occam's Laser for the excellent intro theme to the podcast. Go check them out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You won't be disappointed there. Please take a moment and do us a favor if you'd also be so kind. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop a quick rating and review. It really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload to Cheapworks Wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zanku. Sev, it's been a few weeks since they confirmed that AEW Fight Forever is going to be releasing later this month on June 29th. We've not talked about it yet. They've been showing a lot of footage on the game, a lot of things. We've seen a lot on career mode. We've seen a lot on some of the mini games. We've seen, uh, you, you know, you can fucking ride around on a skateboard all throughout the yes. arena. Uh, this game, honestly, it looks like so much simple, dumb fun. Like, 
I honestly have missed this about wrestling games. <laughs> this looks yes, like fun. It seems far removed from the like simulation sort of that we get with the WWE 2K games. Uh, and as you as you mentioned there, like the riding around on the skateboard, he's literally it's like Darby Allen and Chris Statlander from the videos we've seen, and they they both stood there and then they both jump on skateboards and they like ride down the ramp, and then Darby gets like in the ring on his skateboard, rolls. Yeah, he's met, he's able to jump in the ring with the skateboard, like yeah. goes through the ropes and stays on the board. <laughs> It's, it's, it's amazing. Ridiculous. It's so crazy, um, but it's so funny. And it just, yeah, exactly. it, it works because it's meant to be fun. Mm -hmm. You think of those N64 wrestling games, they weren't that simulation, right? Like you were just doing shit to do them. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Fight Forever is. Mm -hmm. And I have confirmed the, you've seen the battle pack, not battle passes, it like the DLC packs. Yeah, they're going to have, they are starting pretty regularly to release some DLC characters. I know that, I think there's an FTR pack, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a Dan a Danhausen pack, I think it was. Yeah, uh, like the last one was the Danhausen pack. Yeah. Danhausen and the Bunny, I think, are in that pack. It's, the packs don't make any sense, by the way. Like, they just randomly paired people together. Um, I don't remember what the other one was. But it seems probable that they are just going to regularly add people to this game. Because they did say, right, that they wanted to release a game and then just build on it with updates. Yeah, so I think they originally said, I don't know if they originally said, like, free updates or just paid updates. But either way, it's only, I think it's only like 10 bucks. So it's not like a massive ask. It's not a huge price for a season pass. And the first two packs day and night come with mini games. So the first come, one comes with, like, three wrestlers and two new mini games. And the next one, um, the same. And then the final one is the Danheisen one with something else. Uh, yeah, so they, they look like um, fair-sized content packs for the price. I wonder if they will also release updates that say, like... Because remember, this game has been in development for several years, so a lot of stuff is already outdated, right? Like, the entrance ramp is completely yeah, outdated. Yeah. It's the old one with the, the face heel tunnels. I wonder if they'll release an update that has, like, the new Dynamite stage or Collision stage once Collision debuts, right? I wonder if they'll just update the game with new arenas and new shows and everything else as well. I imagine they will. That, that would be pretty cool if they do. I like if they uh, update it when Punk's there and when Punk's not there. They just like t take him in and out of the game. <laughs> and whenever he falls out and he's like removed off TV, they're like, no, no, he's not in the game. Um, I'm excited cool. though, because the roster definitely seems bigger than we initially anticipated it to be, right? They're showing, they've been showing a lot of people in the game that uh, I think some people were worried about wouldn't be there. So they definitely have been putting some time into making sure the roster isn't super outdated granted i still think cody's in this game right they haven't really showed yeah. him but i do still think he's in here he was um, in the original footage that we saw wasn't he so I yeah but they haven't we haven't seen him since and honestly i wouldn't be shocked if they took him out it's been two years almost so if they took him out then that's fair but I think he's still in there. Um, but I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on this game later this month. I likely will be putting a ton of time into it once it releases. It's going to be a game that I regularly go back to. Like I was watching some footage on the career mode and I wasn't like expecting the career mode to be as in depth as it actually is. Right. Where you're having to train and you're going out to eat at restaurants and like having conversations with the waitresses at the restaurants. Like, OK, <laughs> that's the type of shit I love. Dude, that's like RPG elements and that's fucking shit that i just really get behind and these mini games remind me so much of like the old 
arcade fighting games like back from the Mortal Kombat era, right, where you had to do mini games or Street Fighter where you had to do mini games back in the day. Does Street Fighter 6 have mini games? You've been playing it. I have. I did in the in uh, the arcade story mode. I definitely fought a truck, uh, you know, much akin to like Street Fighter 2 where you'd fight a car. You'd have to smash yeah. the car at a certain time. Yeah, I had to fight a truck the other day. So it does have mini games. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I love that, you know, throughout the modes, or I'm assuming it's just in story mode, but like I like that you get to participate in some of these mini games. I like that you can just play the mini games without having to do anything as well. Like you can just jump in and play those mini games. This just seems like a game that I will be regularly returning to and honestly could spell the end of WWE for me in terms of returning back to the recent 2K game that I still jump into from time to time. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't played that game for a while. Um, I think I'm focused now definitely on the AEW game. Um, yeah, if th- those mini games are pretty good, then it could be a nice little party game in it. Have a few, have a few fights and then do some like Mario Party stuff. I play a few mini games. Be pretty good to uh, crack out when you got a few people around. Do we know if it's the mini games can be played online yet? Ooh, I'm not sure. I've not, I've not seen anything on that. I'd like to kick your ass in a few rounds of mini games if possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you're on. Have a little blood on destroyers uh, competition to see who can uh, win the most mini games or something. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds, sounds, yeah, we can fight forever. Fight forever, indeed. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it, though. I'm glad the game's finally coming. Um, It looks solid, right? Like, it honestly looks like a lot of fun. You could tell they've put a lot of work into it since some of those early build impressions we were seeing for so long. Uh, even Eddie Kingston's face, which a lot of people were making fun of, isn't as bad as it originally initially appeared. Yeah, I thought it was so bad originally that I changed my Discord profile picture to Eddie Kingston. Um. You did. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was funny, but yeah, you, as you said, it's an early build, and his new, his newer model looks much, much. Better. Yeah, they showed they showed an updated model already on on Twitter, and it looked way better. Like you could tell that was definitely some early footage. It still doesn't look like Eddie Kingston, like a hundred percent. But there are a lot of models that don't look a hundred percent like their characters. But that's just because of the art style they chose to use. Yeah, it's slightly character. The, the N sixty, yeah, the N sixty four style. Yep. Absolutely. So looking forward to it. I'm sure you and I will have some pretty in-depth impressions on this game. Once it releases, we'll talk about it here on the show. We'll likely also talk about it over on Play on Arrival, a weekly video game forecast. So looking forward to it. Yeah, double, double. Um, Double or nothing. Go check out our... Go check out our <laughs> review episode from last week. That was the segue. Yep. Um, all right. Shall we get into talking about the content this week coming out of Double or Nothing, the post Double or Nothing Dynamite and Rampage, which honestly, in my opinion, ended up being better than the pay-per-view. Okay. Fair, fair. Yeah. I definitely thought it was solid. It was good. We should get to it. Yeah. In terms of an overall, like taking both Dynamite and Rampage into consideration, I thought the content they produced coming out of the pay-per-view was better and more exciting than most of the matches we had, you know, talking about the filler in between the opening and closing of Double or Nothing. What we saw in Dynamite and Rampage definitely was stronger in terms of just exciting matches and keeping the crowd engaged. And honestly, a lot of that shout out to the crowd in San Diego, right? This, yeah. this crowd was definitely on fire. And I think, I think it should tell those with an AEW, maybe it's time to take Double or Nothing out of Vegas for a bit. Yeah, they get they get it every year, yeah. Yeah, it's been every year. And from what I remember about Las Vegas crowds, and it's nothing has changed, Las Vegas crowds are nothing special for, for wrestling. WWE, when I used to go see them all the time in Vegas, the crowds are never loud. They're never like 
super chanty. Like they're just not that exciting of crowds. And they obviously always have a ton of kids and families because it's Vegas and, you know, people are on vacation. So they just go, oh, you know, they're in town. We'll just go. We'll get some tickets or whatever. Like they're never super exciting crowds. So I think if AEW starts taking double or nothing elsewhere, just like we saw with the crowd in San Diego, just like we saw with WWE and backlash in Puerto Rico, start hitting different major cities and you're going to get better responses and, and more exciting shows because the crowd does lead a lot to what makes the show exciting. And that definitely helped out dynamite and rampage for me. It really, really did. Um, so you and I ranked eight things for dynamite. Since you have the segments, you take the lows, I'll take the highs. Do you want to kick us off with your number eight from Dynamite this past Wednesday night? Yeah. So, as you, as I said, I did like this Dynamite. Um, I thought it was pretty, pretty good. Um, I did as well. But... My my lowest was a six, and this my number eight is a six. Okay. So, my, my uh, rankings might seem a bit all of the, over the place, but it is genuinely what I enjoyed most of what I enjoyed least. And what I enjoyed least, number eight on my list, is um, DMD and Adam Cole, the Boom Doctors, versus uh, Soraya and... Jericho. Okay, I had that ranked at number five. Okay, yeah, I just didn't, um, I didn't feel like we got a lot out of this, like, as soon as it came off the back of the Double or Nothing match, which... I'll was, tell you right now, like, this should have been the Double or Nothing match like we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah, like, this didn't This was significantly like better than Jericho Cole at the pay-per-view. Yeah, fair enough, I can agree with that, to be fair, um, but it didn't feel like it did anything, like, we didn't need it after we had that match at the pay-per-view uh we got we got the same sort of uh the outcast ran down they interfered uh shida then ran down hit them with kendo sticks and then they disappeared off um so yeah and then the the faces vanquished evil at the end after jericho was a little angry okay he was it really, yeah it didn't really do anything for me if i'm honest but baker it, managed to get the lock jaw on jericho for a bit that was uh, funny, yeah. Yeah. She did a terrible frog splash. She that did. was almost uh, a snoop splash. A um, dog splash, yep. A dog splash, yeah. And then she did eat a, a rough looking is it like a night a good night DDT from Soraya? Yeah, her good proper, night move, yeah. yeah proper spiked her. Um yeah, apart from that, I wasn't a massive fan of this match. I thought Soraya looked pretty good in this match, I'm not gonna lie. Um I obviously think that's because she was in a tag match with where she didn't have to rely on just herself to to look strong um this was one of the the stronger showings i think she's had since coming back to aew i thought she also worked really well alongside chris jericho uh so it was cool seeing saray and jericho together i do like seeing adam cole and Britt baker together adam cole's gear reminded me a lot of glacier from this past wednesday because it had like the uh the white and the light blue blue. yeah the baby blue on there he kind of looked like glacier on his gear obviously doesn't look anything like glacier but his gear did um (laughs) But I do think this match should have just been at the pay-per-view. I think it would have been more exciting had it been on the pay-per-view and then not spilled into Dynamite with this match. They could have done this there and it would have made just as much. They could have made this an unsanctioned match at the pay-per-view and it would have worked just fine. Yeah, totally agree. Totally, totally agree. But I didn't think it was the worst thing on Dynamite. I actually gave it an eight. I didn't think it was the worst thing on Dynamite. You sat at a flat seven for me. So Fair, fair. Number one for me, and hopefully number one for you as well, is that in-ring segment with Tony Schiavone, Don Callis, and Kanosuke Takeshita. No, it wasn't. That was number four for me. Wow, okay, okay. I gave this a 10. I I did. I absolutely loved the nuclear levels of heat that Don Callis and Takeshita were getting from that San Diego crowd. They would not let him speak, dude. 
the San Diego fans were nonstop full throttle booing from start to finish. Every time Callis would start talking, it would get louder and louder. He was screaming into the microphone and we could still barely hear him coming through at home. Right. There were times when the crowd was drowning him out because they were just so loud. And that was so amazing to me. I just love how good of a heel Don Callis actually is like he doesn't do much, but holy shit, is he good at what he does? And he makes people hate him. And I absolutely love that. And, you know, running down this laundry list of wrestlers that Kanosuke Takeshita is better than, including Okada. I love the the tease of certain matches being set up potentially for the future. But obviously going into Takeshita is also better than Kenny Omega. And then Takeshita getting on the mic and just full out going off in Japanese just adds to the heel nature of the, his character now, right? Before, when he was trying to speak to Renee backstage and in interviews, right, he wasn't leaning too heavily into that fluent Japanese. He was more trying to talk in English. He did speak in English at the end of this promo saying, you know, Kenny Omega, I'm coming for you or whatever. I'm going to destroy you, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But. A majority of what he said was all in Japanese. And you think back to some of those classic heels from the early days of pro wrestling. A lot of them were foreign speakers that would just go off in their native language to make the U.S. crowds hate them. And I just think everything about this segment worked so well and is building up to so many cool things. Obviously, earlier in the evening, we had a backstage promo with Alex Marvez and the Elite where we had the Dark Order appear and potentially teasing a heel turn, right? They're like, oh, Hangman, didn't know you were around, buddy, right? Like, kind of, kind of again, teasing that they're upset that Hangman went back with the Elite because they were always there for him when the Elite turned on him and talking about how Kenny Omega flew uh, fled back to Canada and Omega's like, well, yeah, Kenny is not in town, but he's not in Canada. So they're teasing and letting us basically know that storyline purposes, Omega's in Japan getting in touch with Ibushi. Yeah, it's only yeah. a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. They are setting up this 5v5 still. Um, we are we are about to get a blood and guts or even if it's not blood and guts, something out of this where Omega is calling on one of his friends, which obviously is going to be Ibushi. There's no way that it's not Ibushi at this point. Um, and I think this is setting up something really, really cool. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're setting up something um, something very special. And that, uh, as you said, that, that, those cry boos were ridiculously loud. They were oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw this as well, but at uh, NJPW Dominion, um, Will Ospreay won the tournament to determine the next challenger for Kenny Omega's IWGP US title. In the okay. finals, it was Osprey and Lance Archer. So Will Ospreay did win, and that match is now set for Forbidden Door. So it is going to be Omega and Osprey for the IWGP US title. Okay, that's very, very cool. Nice, nice, nice. Yep. Instant, instant buy. It's got to be a buy in it. Yep, so we're about to get some good shit coming up soon with Kenny Omega. I'm excited. Nice, fantastic. Um, so we go back down the list then. Yeah, back to you. Back to me. Number seven was the in-ring segment with Tony Schiavone and my mate Hook. That was number eight for me. That was number eight for you. Yep, that was my number eight. Um, I did. I didn't hate this, but yeah, I thought we were gonna get Hook speaking, and then he got bloody cut off, didn't he? Right away by Lafaxio and Gubernables. Yeah, Preston Vance and Realistico. 
and then came down. I didn't really like Hook getting a beat down. Um, obviously, I think Hook should be booked stronger. I wanted them just to uh, eviscerate both of them. It'd be very cool. But uh, Jungle Boy came down for the save. Obviously, the Jungle Hook connection. Yep. Um, just Sounds like part. we're going to get a tag match out of this, right? Yeah. A little part of me sat inside and was like, Welcome Jungle back Boy. to the mid-card Jungle Boy. Oh, is Jungle Boy going to hit Hook? Is Jungle Boy going to turn on Hook? They were teasing it, right? They Like, they had him standing near Hook with the chair. It definitely felt like they were potentially teasing Jungle Boy turning heel on Hook. Yeah, like he was giving him little side eyes and then and then not doing anything. It's like, oh, is it? I don't know. This little this little feeling in the pit of my stomach was like, I think he's going to hit him with the fucking chair. And then it didn't. So I was like, mm, okay, maybe we are getting it. But yeah, this didn't do anything for me either. Um, it, all it seems to be setting up is a potential tag match. I This is what I gave a six to. Like, it's just, it didn't do anything for me. But we are talking about Hook. So if we do things right, oh, you know what we gosh. should do. You know what we should do. Yeah. Since we're talking about Hook, we should jump into a little Hook of the Week. Last week, Sev, I went with Skyhooks. A big giant space rubber band to fling stuff around the universe. <laughs> This week, the other falls to you. What's our hook this week? So, I don't think I'm going to be able to top that, but what I did find, I'm going with this week, there's a little village called Hook. Okay. Uh, so, this little village is 42 miles uh, away from London. It's not very far from London. Um, oh, Hook. Here it is right here. Yeah. Is it, it's it in, Hook Heart? Yeah, so it's in the district of Hart uh, in the Shire County of Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Um, so I think it was made in the 18th century. But what I find interesting was if you go down uh, to the events, they have like a the Hook Fun Run and Road Race. Every okay. Year. They do a Hook Flower and Produce Show. Sounds cool. Hook Books at the Elizabeth Hall Monthly Community Pop-Up Library. Fair enough. A Summer Fair, a Fireworks Display, a Christmas Fair, a Hook Cracker on the <laughs> first Saturday in what December. What the hell is a Hook Cracker? A fuck knows. Uh, hosted by St. John and the Evangelist Church. And then they have a hook beer festival, and then they have off the hook, which is a micro festival. Um, so I went and had a look at what uh, off the hook was as well, and that's yeah, it's a little festival. They have like music bands on. That uh, I think their lineup from this year, the top band was a band called Scarmageddon. Um, <laughs> so some trumpets and some woodwind, and uh, people in suspenders and white jackets. How far shirts. are you from Hook? You're far. You're pretty far from this place, aren't you? I think it would take, it'd take me a couple of hours to get there driving. Um, but yeah, any, anywhere in uh, England's quite far. They're quite close to each other compared to uh, America. So you should, you should check out the Hook Beer Festival next year. It seems like it's in May. You missed it this year already. I did You should, you should check year. out the Hook Beer Festival. We go off the hook at the Hook Beer Festival, yeah. I mean, maybe we should do a Hook of the Week meet up there at some point. Just Ooh, that'd be invade fun. Hook. <laughs> invade, invade the village of Hook for Hook of the Week. Just roll into the village. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even know me. <laughs> but yeah, we just play his theme as we roll in. Hell yeah. Everyone they won't know what's hitting them. Up. They don't know. They won't know. We'll, we'll just have our hair looking all crazy. They won't know what hit them. I'll get the village priest in red rum. <laughs> See how quick we get arrested. <laughs> right, yeah. Maybe I won't do that. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. So my hook of the week this week was the little village of Hook. All right. So Hook in the uh, in the Hart District of Northern Hampshire, England, Hampshire, Hampshire, Hampshire. However you pronounce it. Nice. (laughs) That is your hook of the week this week. Um. All right. Back to me then. 
Yes. Back to me with my number two. My number two is the opening to Dynamite. The Blackpool Combat Club taking on Lucha Bros and Bandito. Oh, we match on one. That's my number two as well. I thought this was incredible. I also loved Bandito's gear, which was inspired by El Chapulín Colorado, which was a like a Spanish TV series from the 1970s back in the day. Um, I didn't know that right away. I had to figure out and look to see what his gear was inspired by. And I did find that. So that was actually really, really cool. I knew it had to be something as soon as I saw it. Like I knew that wasn't just his doing. It only took me like five minutes to figure out what it was from. And I'd put it in our discord server. So everyone would know like, oh, that's Bandito's gear. Um, the bell for this match finally rang at 806. Like they were kind of brawling around on the outside and through the crowd and shit for about six minutes before they actually, uh, did the bell and officially got this match underway. There was a six spot that I always will call out when Bandito does this, right? But he had Wheeler Utah in that delayed suplex. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Phoenix and Penta had put Mox and Claudio in double arm locks. So that way they couldn't do anything. And Bandito kept Yuta up for a full 60 seconds. He started getting wobbly around 40 seconds. You could tell he was starting <laughs> to struggle a little bit. And around that point as well, if you looked at Yuta's face, his face was so red. Red because of all the blood rushing down there. Um, but he did hold it for that full 60 seconds and then dropped him into a brain buster right on top of Claudio. And I don't think he didn't mean to drop him right on top of Claudio, but he dropped him right on top of Claudio, which definitely uh, looked a little painful for Claudio there. Um, a little bit later, Claudio and Mox hit a nice spike pile driver on Bandito on the outside while Yuta had the ref distracted. And then this entire match was fire. Like I said, they just were doing a bunch of spots, a bunch of fun things. The end was also really fun to me as well, I thought, because they basically had Yuta become Brian Danielson, right? It was a a very Danielson-esque sequence to close the match from Wheeler Yuta, including a running Psycho Neo most, followed by a series of strikes from the elbow. And then your favorite way to finish a match, it was a seatbelt roll-up to get the win. Yeah, so I think just before they, like, hit that knee, they did this thing, cool thing where there was, um, Bandito went for the 21 plex and a Mox, yeah. um, Mox sort of like prevented it from the outside. And then I think Bandito got knocked towards like the other rope and Claudio like uppercutted him from outside the ropes. And then he went back into the ring. So they had like all three of the BCC sort of like, yeah, get to that finish, which I thought was very, very cool. Um, yeah, I really like this match. I will shout out at the beginning as well. They were when they started Dynamite. They were like Excalibur was like, "Oh, we're joined by Brian Danielson," and then like five seconds later, Mox's music hits, and the Shivani's like, "Wow, it's Moxley!" And it's like, "Who the fuck do you think he was gonna be?" Dan- <laughs> Dan- Dan- Danielson's out the ring. What else is gonna happen, right? What else <laughs> can possibly comedy. happen here? <laughs> so I thought that was very funny. But yeah, yeah, this was a great opening match. Great way to start Dynamite. Yeah, I thought this was a really fun match to start Dynamite as well. I am hopeful that, you know, we're we're going to get something cool still with this BCC elite stuff that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Obviously, something's got to be happening. And they even alluded, right? They were asking on commentary. Danielson's sitting there like, what's going on with Callis and Takeshita? Are they in the BCC? And Danielson's like, well, I think you should guys wait and hear what Don Callis has to say later. So they didn't allude to it still during that segment. But they keep teasing that somehow, some way, is involved with the BCC. Yeah, yeah. We've got nothing set in stone at the moment. So, indeed. But yeah, that was my number two. You're number two as well. Very nice. Nice. Back to you. So then, back to me. Number six for me um, is going to be Chris Statlander versus Nyla Rose. 
that's also my number six. Cool. No, I didn't hate this. No, I it gave was... it. I gave it a seven point five. Nice. It was wicked to see Nyla Rose come out and get pyro and a fairly big entrance. Um, it makes you mean me Statlander? That... No, Nyla Rose got pyro. She always pyro. does. She always gets flames and pyros and shit. Oh, fair. I haven't seen this in like dark and stuff. Oh yeah, they used. To, she used to get pyro on like dark and elevation and shit as well. The time when she was always on there. <laughs> That's lost on me, then I completely forgot about that. Um, Statlander had pyro and a new entrance robe, which was not in place before. Yeah, she did. She got some fireworks, didn't she? They were nice. Um, parts I didn't like about this match, though, is that we got straight into the um, the faces not strong enough to pick uh, Nyla Rose up, which is exactly the same as what we got when the last match we saw Nyla Rose on on Dynamite or Rampage with Rio did the right. same thing. Um, and then we also got the heel beat down during picture and picture. So some of this match was like very predictable and very like by the numbers. But we did get a blue thunder bomb from Statlander, and we did get a nice uh nice 450 a nice 450 and i'm suspecting she hit the 450 because she probably wasn't able to get uh neither up for the big bang or, right or whatever they're calling it now i'm pretty sure they called it something new on the pay-per-view they call it like saturday night slaughter or something saturday night slaughter <laughs> i don't know i don't remember that okay maybe maybe <laughs> But yeah, this was a fun match. It was all right. Um, it was nice to see Statlander, right? It's going to be nice seeing her pretty regularly since they Jade was featured regularly as the TBS champion. So I imagine Statlander. This was technically an open challenge match. Mm-hmm. So Statlander keeping that going. Uh, they also teased Taya Valkyrie in the back as well, being unhappy that Statlander was champion. Yeah, she's coming. Yeah. They did, say, they did also say on commentary that was it like Nyla Rose's first title defense was against Chris Statlander for the women's title. For the women's title. So that was cool that it was, you know, Statlander's first defense for the TBS was against Nyla Rose. Yeah, that is a cool callback. Very, very cool. Very, very nice. Yeah, but I didn't hate this match. Like I said, I gave it a 7.5. Um, like, like you, I thought a majority of Dynamite was was really solid. So, yep. Uh, back to me then, I guess, with my number three. Number three for me is Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen taking on the Gates of Agony. Okay, I had that at uh, number five. I've, I've, I've renamed them, Brian. Did you? Yeah. What are their names now? Depressed Friends. <laughs> depressed friends yeah that's amazing <laughs> depressed friends be the gates of agony <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing i also thought it was amazing this is the first time i think we've ever seen it when orange cassidy was walking out he had one mini pyro shoot off right next to him at the entrance ramp. I did notice that, yeah. Like it was to, to the left of him. It was one little tiny poof of a firework that <laughs> shot up. That was never there before. That's amazing. I hope they leave that every time. It just fits him so well. Like, it goes it does, with yeah, yeah. his minimalistic entrance video. Like, obviously, his personality. Having one little mini pyro, it's amazing. I can't believe they hadn't done that before. Uh, keep it up. Khan has some inc- incredible sounding chops. I know we like to mention when chops sound loud. Khan's chops on Dynamite sounded insane. They echoed through that arena in San Diego. It it was during the picture in picture on Darby, so those in the U.S. probably didn't hear it. But if anyone watching on Fight heard it, man, did they echo. Yeah, I definitely picked up on them. I definitely thought um, a lot of this match was the Gates of Agony, like, dominating. The Gates of Agony looked so good in this match, dude. Like, they're a great tag team on ROH when they're featured. Like, this shows that they technically 
probably deserve to be in the AEW tag division with how the tag division is kind of in shambles right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hate seeing them um, as, yeah, on part of the AEW roster, like properly, properly. They would definitely could. Yeah, this match I thought was really, really entertaining. Um, one of the stronger matches of the night for me. And I liked seeing Sting make his return because Sting hadn't been featured in about a month or so since Darby wanted to focus on the AEW world title on his own without Sting's help. But now that that is done, right, and because the embassy, Brian Cage and Swerve were making their way down to the ring to attack OC and Darby, uh, which would eventually set up an international title match this coming up Wednesday between Orange Cassidy and Swerve, which I hope Swerve wins. Um, Sting made his debut to make sure that Darby and OC wouldn't suffer from that beatdown. I would also, also shout out during that match, uh, Orange Cassidy did a lovely little, uh, like a matador spin, you know, like a matador moves out of the way from the ball. Yeah. He did this lovely little spin to get out of the way of Bishop Carney running to, um, totally, and, uh, that was very good. And then another spot of totally, uh, Bishop Khan dropping, um, Darby onto the turnbuckle, like a turnbuckle backbreaker, um, and then Darby sort of like rolled onto the apron and then he got a nice big scent on from totally. And, uh, but that was very good as well. It was. It absolutely was. Yeah, I enjoyed this match. I did too. I did too. I gave it a nine. Fair. I think I gave it an eight. Yeah, I gave this one a nine. It was it was my number three, your number five, so it should be a little lower for you. But yeah, I gave this a nine. I wonder I wonder then if um if Orange Cassidy does lose that title to Swerve, if he could like dye his hair black and be sad and just hang out with Darby more. He should. Be Probably. amazing. <laughs> be amazing. They could actually become depressed friends. Yeah. Be, be great. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if they book it. <laughs> we got two things left. We have. And whose turn is it? You. Okay. So number three on my list is Big Bill versus. Wait, this Chandler's. is that's that's the lowest you have left. Yeah. What do you have left? My number three and my number one. <laughs> I have my four and seven left. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, number three for me is Big Bill versus Trent versus Swerve. It's my number four. Okay, I like this. I thought this was a very good. I did too. Match. I gave this an eight as well. I gave this. I also gave this an eight. I thought all three men did pretty well. I like. Uh, obviously, Swerve seems to be getting better and better. They're obviously booking Big Bill stronger and stronger each week. He took a massive avalanche suplex from Swerve and Trent off that top rope. <laughs> he did. Did he's a big guy. Um. Yeah, he was doing lots of big moves. I think they should just announce every move he does as a big move. Like, it's a big chop. It's a big throw. <laughs> From Big Bill. From Big Bill. Just the back of his... Right, I'm going to bring this up. The back of his trunks, like, his, his jeans. I couldn't work out whether he was... Oh, he was sweating up a storm, dude. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I eventually uh, knocked it up, too. But I thought originally that maybe he'd, like, he'd split them so they, like, sewed an extra part of the ass onto the jeans. <laughs> And it was a slightly different color. But then when I paid more attention to it, no, he was just, he just had a big sweaty ass, didn't he? Yeah, um, his ass was sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> Sweat right through those jeans, um, which every time it showed on the TV, I couldn't, um, couldn't stop looking at it. But Same. It was very funny. But yeah, yeah, this was a good trios match. It, I think it was great placement on the card. Um, and then Trent taking the pin so that Big Bill could still look strong was was very, very smart. I mean, I think that's that's just kind of the role best friends fill now. Uh, they don't really, outside of Orange Cassidy, um, but Trent and Chucky, right, they, they really don't have much going for them at the moment. They take losses to take the loss, right? They sacrifice themselves at double or nothing to protect Orange Cassidy's international title. So it's just kind of the role they fill right now. It is a little unfortunate, but it does make sense. I think Big Bill... 
is starting to pick up some steam and, and really could be a major player for AEW. Obviously, Swerve is already there, and I do hope Swerve picks up that international title this Wednesday night. Yeah, I think it's about time to pass it off on it. Yep. But yeah, I agree. This match was really, really strong. I thought all three guys worked really well together. And I even knew like when they announced this match going in that this match had potential and it lived up. I'm glad it did. I'm really glad it did. Which means we have one thing left. It's your number one. Yeah. Where is it on your list? Number seven, Whoa, which might be the bro. biggest gap we've had in between like a one and whatever else segment that the other person has. Um, this is the in-ring promo with Bullet Club Gold. It is. So they were talking shit about Ricky Starks and FTR, mm -hmm. and FTR eventually crashes the party. Uh, they tease that, right, we are definitely, it seems, setting up for Bullet Club Gold, Juice, and Jay to be the next in line to challenge FTR for the AEW tag titles. Uh, they, they weren't going to do any like altercations, but then juice kind of like kept inching his way towards Dax and hit him with a loaded fist of quarters. Uh, Ricky Starks made the save challenge Jay white to a match this week on dynamite. I don't quite know how this got to number one for you. So I think it was, it was just the, what I ranked highest. Um, so I put like point scores on everything once the segment ends and then so yeah it was the one side of the highest but i did think like um jay and juice would work really well on the mic i love the fact that they had their arms over tony shivani and they kind of like wouldn't let him go um the yeah the uh when ftr came down they were like oh if you want to join bullet club goal and then the crowd like give a big chant for that um so they were definitely teasing that like they're up from new members for bullet club goal and then, yeah, as you said, that, that loaded fistful of quarters and the quarters went everywhere. Um, I just thought it was a really solid segment and I really enjoyed seeing Juice and Jay on the mic. Um, and I want more of that, want more, because we haven't had them on, like, talking much on a microphone um, in in-week segments or anything, really. So if we can make them a focal point, if we can make this Bullet Club Gold thing a bit more of a focal point, then I will have a happy time. Well, it seems like we're definitely moving in that direction because now they are teasing that they want to add new members, like you just said, right? So I think the possibility is still there that Ricky Starks finds his way into Bullet Club Gold because he's still in this storyline. Yes, he has a singles match against Jay White this Wednesday night, but I still think there's potential that he is our next member of BC Gold. Okay, I'd like that. I'd like that very, very much. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. And I also hope that, you know, we see some other maybe even former Bullet Club members like we talked about previously, like Tamatanga or something. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get to it later, but the the match for next week is stated that FTR and Juice are banned from ringside. It yeah, it doesn't say anything everyone. else. Correct. Yeah, so that's kind of uh, it's either our red herring or our, yeah, or our obvious nod. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I didn't think it was super strong. I mean, I thought it was fun, and it's nice confirmation that Bullet Club Gold is next in line for FTR after they teased it at Double or Nothing. But it didn't do much for me either, which is why it fell at number seven. I gave it a seven out of ten. Okay, yeah, like eight point five. Okay, fair, fair. That being said, how did you rate Dynamite? I fell at three and a half stars. Okay, I gave it four stars. I thought this was a solid Dynamite. I probably I would have liked to give it three point seven five, but I'm not allowing my decimal points, so three and a half. Yeah, I thought it was a good Dynamite coming off a of double or nothing. Um, definitely still building toward all in, still building toward Forbidden Door. 
Um, I thought this was a good show. I really did. And like I said, some of it I think would have been, had it been at the pay-per-view, would have made the pay-per-view feel even more exciting, like that main event tag match. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. obviously that was bottom on my list. If that had been at the pay-per-view and we got a different main event, then I'd have, been, uh, I'd have probably bummed this higher. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, all in all, a pretty solid dynamite. So let's move into Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor this past Thursday, June 1st, was filmed it uh, in Las Vegas. So this was actually at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. They filmed this at the same time they taped Dynamite and Rampage last Wednesday. Uh, well, the Wednesday before Dynamite, so the 24th. Um, this was a lengthy taping for them because Ring of Honor had two, four, six, eight, eleven 11 matches. So not only did they have to sit through a two-hour dynamite, they had to sit through Rampage. And then, of course, they had the 11-match Ring of Honor as well. So it was definitely a lengthy, lengthy um, show. But this show, as Ring of Honor has been, was pretty good. So we had the Kingdoms, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, defeating Carly Bravo and Sean Dean, the Infantry. Sky Blue defeated Trisha Dora. Stu Grayson and the Righteous, okay, Stu Grayson and the Righteous, Vincent and Dutch, defeated Alex Reynolds, Evil Uno, and John Silver. Grayson's part of the Righteous now. What? Yep. He came back and then he moved. Yep, he's part of the Righteous. So he is not part of the Dark Order anymore. Um, Yep, they defeated Dark Order in six-man tag action in about 10 minutes. It was actually a really good match. Like I said, the storyline between the Righteous and Dark Order has been super strong in Ring of Honor right now. Okay, so was this, like, Stu Grayson move, was it done in, like, backstage segments, or was it literally just, oh, we've announced the match? It was. No, no, yeah, yeah, they've been teasing it. Yep. Diamante defeated Promise Braxton. Brian Cage defeated Willie Mack. Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Rocky Romero to retain the NJPW TV title in a fucking incredible 11-minute match. Action Andretti and Darius Martin defeated the Workhorsemen's Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. Kip Sabian, the Butcher and the Blade, defeated Bryce Saturn, Jacob Austin Young, and Shogun. It's a oh, nice, yeah. darker elevation match for you. Bandito, Eliel Delavicino, and Commander defeated Angelico, Serpentico, and Jack Cartwheel in some trios action, which was an <laughs> incredible match. <laughs> Absolutely incredible match. That sounds wicked. Katsuyori Shibata defeated Alex Coughlin to retain the ROH Pure title in a nine-minute great match. Okay, okay. And then in the main event, Athena defeated Kiara Hogan to retain the ROH Women's title in an eight-minute match, which was also really good. Nice. That sounds like a solid show, to be fair. Ring of Honor has been on fire. There are people now saying that Tony Khan is putting more effort into booking Ring of Honor than he is to making Rampage a good show. But coming off of Rampage this week, I think that's debatable at this point. He's definitely still trying with Rampage. I think, think, uh, yeah, it seemed like a Hail Mary with Rampage this week. Yeah, but it paid off in my opinion because damn was it great. Uh, oh, but no, Ring of Honor was fucking solid this past Thursday, dude. I think everyone needs to be watching Ring of Honor. It adds so much to AEW because a lot of the storylines, you know, spill over. And a lot of these guys were just so used to, right? Like Dark Order is now more of a staple on Ring of Honor, which makes mm-hmm. sense because they didn't have so much for them to do in AEW. So put them somewhere. At least they can shine. And we're getting a really sick storyline out of it with Grayson and the Righteous. Nice. nice. I think everyone should be watching Ring of Honor. I really do especially because it's going to get even more exciting, right? Like Ring of Honor is going to be taped weekly in about two more weeks. We are two weeks away from the debut of Collision. Once Collision starts, they're going to be filming Ring of Honor every time after Collision. So like the next Ring of Honor will be the one that was filmed previously that Saturday night after Collision or maybe before, depending on time zones and when they tape stuff. 
Um, okay. Probably before. I would assume Ring of Honor gets taped before Collision. But that's still, like, that's exciting because it's going to be a different crowd every week, uh, different excitement levels, and because it's on the road, you know, they, they're going to try to do more than as opposed to just taping blocks of matches to eventually put together that were all taped in one sitting. Yeah. Like, yeah, now they're exactly. going to actually have to formulate shows. So, I think this is going to be exciting. I really do. I really do. And they confirmed our next pay-per-view. So, Death Before Dishonor is going to be taking place Friday, July 21st in Trenton, New Jersey. So, we are about a month and a half away from our next ROH pay-per-view, which now we know we have Forbidden Door as a pay-per-view later this month in June. We have Death Before Dishonor next month, and then, of course, we have All In in August, All Out in September. We've got four pay-per-views pretty much coming up here still. I'll buy them. I, I bought the previous Ring of Honor pay-per-view, the one um, WrestleMania weekend, Supercard of yeah. Honor. I will buy this one, too. It's, they're only like 30 or 40 bucks. I'll support them. I think they're 40. I'll, uh, I'll have a look. I won't say what they are in the UK prices. Cause we, uh, we don't pay that much at all. Yeah, I think yours are like 20 bucks, which is definitely doable. Yeah, yeah. So the Ring of Honor wants the same sort of price, then I, I will check this out. Yeah, you should. They have been really solid shows. So that's Ring of Honor. Let's jump into Rampage, which I thought was excellent this past Friday. They called it Championship Friday, right? So all four matches... On this rampage, which was still in San Diego, so the crowd was still on fire, um, mm-hmm. they were all for a different title. And none of them were an AEW <laughs> title, which yeah, is the was, best part. I was wondering if you picked up on that, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was, was it, I think it was Excalibur. Maybe it was Excalibur on commentary said, like, where else can you see three different promotions championships offended in one night? Right. And that's kind of true. You don't really see that that often. No, so it's kind of what like what we should have got for Battle of the Belts. Correct. Yeah, this would have been a hell of a Battle of the Belts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this would have been probably the best Battle of the Belts we've ever seen if this was a Battle of the Belts. Um, four things you and I ranked will swap, so I will take the lows and you will take the highs. So I will kick things off with my number four, and I will just preface this by saying pretty much everything on Rampage I either gave a 10 or a 9 to. Okay. I thought Rampage was insanely strong for being an hour show. This was an incredible hour worth of professional wrestling. Number 4 for me at a 9 out of 10 was Katsuyori Shibata taking on Lee Moriarty for the ROH Pure title. Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. Number 4 for me was Shibata versus Lee Moriarty. And again, it's not that this match was bad. This match was fucking great. But the other three were better. Mm -hmm. And this was a very pure match, right? Because it's an ROH pure title match. So a lot of people, you know, don't like that style. I love that style. I love the rope breaks. I love how Shibata forced Lee Moriarty into the rope breaks several times for him to utilize those rope breaks and get them out of there. Um, Ending the match with a penalty kick. Dude, Shibata's PKs are so insane looking. They just look so powerful. Yes, yeah. This was a a great match. And again, very, very similar style match to what we had earlier in the evening with the NJPW TV title. Mm -hmm. Because Shibata and Zack Sabre Jr. both heavily rely a lot on submissions. So, and, and just actual wrestling style of wrestling. So, very similar match we had earlier. I don't think this one was as strong as that other match earlier in the evening. But I still really, really enjoyed this one. And I do like the departure of the pure rules style matches as opposed to just always having the matches feel the same. So... This was a great match, and they teased after Shibata got the win with the PK. Uh, they teased that Daniel Garcia wants his title back, so I wonder if they're setting up Garcia Shibata for Death Before Dishonor for Garcia to recapture the title. Okay, that'd be pretty cool. Did Garcia drop it to Shibata? He did. He did? Yes. Okay, fair, fair. I 
couldn't remember whether it was Shabata or Yuta that uh, dropped it. No, because Yuta, Yuta dropped it to Garcia, right? And then Garcia dropped it to Shabata. I think so. I think that's how it went. I'm actually looking now just to double check. Um, oh, no. you you So Yuta dropped it to Garcia, but Garcia actually, or Garcia actually dropped it to Yuta again. At final battle. So yeah, Yuda actually had it. Yuda was the one that dropped it to Shibata. I misspoke. Okay. I, f- I forgot that Yuda recaptured it off Garcia previously. Yeah, so we've not had Garcia versus Shibata yet. No, we have That's not. Cool. That's very, very cool. Which, that is cool. Yeah, so... And I and I did mention that it would be nice for Shibata to capture the title, take it over to Japan, right? Competing in JPW with the ROH title to get some more eyes on the show over there. But now he's had it since March, so bringing it back and, and putting it on a guy that's going to be on TV every week would make sense. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, still a solid match. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. The only thing I would have made it a bit better for me is like uh, they did the three rope break things, but then the end didn't like constitute the ropes if you get me put him in a sleeper for a little bit and then once he sat on the floor he kicked him so like the the rope chaotic thingy was null and void correct yep it was a bit odd. but yeah apart from that it was a very good match it was very very strong and even though my number four was a great way to close dynamite or i'm sorry a great way to close rampage it was a great match definitely was so do you want to hear my number one yeah so my number one you mentioned it uh, a minute ago because it was very similar to this match but it was a zack saber jr versus action and ready okay i thought you might put that at number one i actually had that at number two oh, fair no worries still no worries. gave it a nine out of ten yeah yeah, I don't blame you. Um, this was very strong. I didn't realize um, Zack Sabre Jr. was part of uh, the Mighty Don't Kneel. Like, is that a new yeah, thing? TMDK. No, he's been part of TMDK for a while. Okay. Yep, he, he has been in TMDK for at least a year now or so. Okay, that's fair, fair. But yeah, it was nice to see He Zach had TMDK on his tights last year at Forbidden Door against Claudio. I missed that show, though, didn't I? I don't think you did watch that, did you? No, because you did the review with Sean. I did the review with Sean, yep. Yeah, and I missed it, yeah, yeah. But fair enough, yeah, it's nice to see, I know you see uh, Zach on Ring of Honor, but it was nice to see him on AEW TV. Correct. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, unique offense, um, and then we mixed that with Action Andre doing, like, some lucha stuff in between when he managed to get away, um, which was really cool, really cool to see that sort of style mixed in with the lucha stuff, and his, yeah, a lot of his, uh, like, arm twisty things look pretty vicious. Um, there was one point where JR was like, oh, this risk control stuff is deadly, um, which is very funny because I'm pretty sure the risk control stuff's just going to break his wrist. It's not going <laughs> <It's not> to <gonna laughs> kill you, JR. <laughs> it's just going to break your wrist. Um, the yeah, way yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. stomps on his opponent's arms and elbows, I don't know how he does it the way he does it, but it just looks so vicious. And it, it looks like it would break your arm, but he does it in a way that must not cause much damage. Like, I don't know how they do it. They make it look so good. He does, yeah, yeah. And he did this little thing where he had uh, Andre's arm in, in between his two legs, and he, he twisted round, um, and that looked very painful as well. But yeah, I also uh, loved the spot where Andretti had him up in kind of like a reverse attitude adjustment style thing, like a torture rack style almost. Mm-hmm. And ZSJ was choking Andretti out while he was up on his shoulders. That yeah, was such that was, a fucking sick spot. It was very, very cool, yeah. And then, yeah, it all led up to, um, obviously, him working over Andretti's wrist and then towards the end got him in one submission and then pulled the arm, other arm over uh, to lock that in the submission and then was just sort of, like, wrenching it back really hard and Andretti quit. But, yeah, it was, that was a, a fucking awesome match, to be honest. Surprised you did enjoy it so much because a lot of time these slower submission-style matches 
they're not your cup of tea. But I do know your ZSJ is quite different for you. Yeah, I think um, from what I remember of Zack Sabre Jr., like he's come on leaps and bounds. I didn't think he was very impressive. Uh, years and years ago, I wasn't much of a fan of him. But I think I think it was the the sprinkling in of the Andretti stuff. Like we did get some like uh, Lucha stuff in this as well, which I think made it made it yeah shine a bit more. Indeed, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought this match was phenomenal, and obviously, I knew Zack Saber Jr. was not going to lose the NJPW World Title. But yeah, yeah. cool to see it defended on Dynamite. Or I'm sorry, I keep calling it Dynamite. It should have been Dynamite. Cool to see it defended <laughs> on Rampage. <laughs> Number three for me was probably your number three as well. Uh, Willow Nightingale taking on Emi Sakura. No, that was not. Oh. Surprised that you. That was my number two. Okay. Surprised you had the Lucha match ranked at number three then. Um, I was very excited to see Willow Nightingale defend the NJPW Strong Women's title in AEW finally after them not doing anything with it after she defeated Mercedes to capture it. You know, they are now making it known it was even in her entrance graphic defeated Mercedes Monet to capture the NJPW Strong title. And they even mentioned on commentary, I think JR, you know, wished his best to, uh, I think he said Miss Monet um, in her recovery. And then basically went on to say that, yeah, wrestling's predetermined. He's like, how do you do in this type of thing, right? Where you you capture a title in a match you're not supposed to win. <laughs> <laughs> One of them chiming out to be like, yeah, she's she yeah, she was definitely the underdog. Yeah, I know. I thought that was definitely entertaining. But man, Emmy Sakura is just a great opponent for anyone. Like, mm-hmm. she works so well with every girl that you put her in there against. Willow looked quite strong as she should have. She is a champion now, so she has to be booked stronger. Willow looked great in this match. Um, very hard hitting style between the two girls as well. There wasn't a ton of like aerial offense or anything like that. It was more just strong style almost to an extent. Yeah, I thought yeah, this was really cool. Ate, uh, yeah, they both ate some like hefty chops, didn't they? That was very nice to see. As you say, uh, Emi Sakura, it pretty, she's, I think she's quite underrated in the ring, to be fair. Like, we don't get enough of her on TV. We don't. Really she should be featured more, especially because she moved over here for AEW. They should feature her more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we did get a nice looking uh, shotgun drop kick from Willow. Like, obviously, because she's big, that looks fucking. That looks like it would do. And then we got a nice twisting uh, Vader bomb from Emi Sakura. That was very, very cool. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think Willow got a nice welcome when she, she came out. It was a nice... Uh, Willow is so over. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So over. Uh, so, so happy. I'm, I'm glad. She's, she's kind of been given this golden opportunity now, hasn't she? Like... Um, like JR said, like how are you supposed to win if you weren't meant to win or something? But like, regardless of whether this was, regardless of the fact that this was called on an audible, and now she's got the title. The fact that she's got the title and she can uh, run with it, she's probably gonna do her damnedest and try her hardest to make this. Do you know what I mean? She was, she's been given the chance to jump up the stock and the ladder. Um, so yeah, yeah, she should. Uh, it's one of those opportunities that you're not expecting, but when it falls on your lap, make the most of it. Yeah, it's like pick that ball up and absolutely run with it. Like you go, girl. Yep, cool to see. And I'm hoping we see the NJPW Strong Women's Title featured more um, because I have a feeling she's going to hang on to that title for quite some time. Like they created that title specifically for Mercedes Monet. It's not like they have a ton of girls in NJPW Strong. I don't think they had probably any. So it's very realistic that Willow just keeps this title for several months and her next feud in NJPW may be against Mercedes Monet when she's ready to go again. Yeah, however long it takes to heal the foot. Exactly. So 
But yeah, until then, right, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it in AEW. They can obviously put a number of different uh, a number of different competitors against her. And who knows, Mercedes may never actually capture that title now because there's a possibility that when Mercedes comes back, she ends up in AEW before too long. So yeah, true. I don't know what they decide to do with that title. They may just make it a title where anyone can drop it to anybody on any promotion sort of a thing, right? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but that leaves us with one thing left, and it's technically you. Okay, so uh, it's my number one and my number three. Um, I didn't hate this. It's Commando versus Vikingo versus Andralistico. So it's technically you. So why do you have this ranked at number three? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell me yeah, why you have it at number three. Um, just I I enjoyed Willow coming out. I thought that was a great moment. The Zack Sabre Junior match was very different from what we've seen. What we got in this match, the Viking Adrisco Commander match, um, while it was very good, a lot of it was the same spots that we've seen. Like we got the Commander running along the ropes. Um, we got the eventual six thirty through the table. We got the Vikingo implosion Rana. Um, so a but lot that's of this was like... the same thing for anybody. If you think about it, like this is just their arsenal of moves. So, of course, we're going to see the same shit all the time. But you don't you don't take points away from Omega for always hitting a V trigger and the the one winged angel. Or you're not going to take points away from anyone from just utilizing their move set. Like these are just their moves. That's what they do. So, of course, they're going to do them in every match. <laughs> every Vikingo match features a 630 through a table. Every Commander match features him going pillar to post on the top rope and doing a twisting moonsault to the outside. It's their move set. It's how they utilize those moves in the spots that they choose to do with them and then how they connect them together, which makes it different and exciting. Yeah, but on that same hand, we did get a really cool, like, Vikingo bumped onto the springboard and then he jumped and did it's like a corkscrew into a poison runner. Like yes, he did mess that awesome. one up a little bit. He did mess it up a little bit though. But that was that was a nice spot. Like oh yeah, nice thing super cool. I thought, I thought that was awesome. And then um, Commander also hit like a big springboard like Hurricane Rana. Like that was really cool. So yeah, I just I just like a little variation. Um, Fair. And, and Fair. when and when there are things that I've seen them do a bunch of times already. When we get uh, a new champion like Willow or we get Zack Sabre Jr. and Andre doing good stuff, then I'm going to enjoy that more than, than, than seeing this. Fair, fair. This is just more my cup of tea, right? I'm a massive fan of the Lucha Libre style of wrestling, uh, oh, the yeah, crazy yeah, spots. Too. Like, I, I just fucking love this type of shit. So I'm always going to gravitate toward things that I can suspend disbelief on um, because that's one of the things that I think is missing a lot in American wrestling is the ability to suspend belief. Yeah, so yeah. and that's what you get here with these style of matches, because you have to understand that they are just doing moves and it is choreographed. So when they fuck up, yeah, they fucked up, but it's because of what they're trying to do. It's so complex and so difficult, like nobody else could pull it off the fact that they can almost pull it off is incredible enough as it is no one yeah. else could do what they do cool i also thought this match could have done with a bit more time i would have liked it i would have loved i think i would have ranked this higher had it been given like an extra five minutes if we could have had them sort of like puffy they still puffy, got sort of. 10 minutes right they had 10 minutes yeah yeah but 15 would have definitely done something for this i think as well yeah they would just elevate it in the star rating higher and higher the longer they went on sort of thing um but yeah it was it was still very good still got a very good rating from me yeah like i said i gave this my number one spot i gave it a 10 out of 10 
But my lowest thing I gave on Rampage this week was a nine. So I really enjoyed from start to finish everything that Rampage had to offer. I thought it was the best Rampage we have seen potentially ever in terms mm-hmm. of Rampage, but definitely the strongest Rampage we've seen since CM Punk returned on Rampage when it debuted. Um, this was a very, very good Rampage. I can't give this anything but five stars for Rampage. Yeah, I think you're right. I just gave it a five star from me. Uh, personally, in my opinion, best Rampage ever. Um, yeah, that's why I said potentially ever. Yeah. Yeah, why, why we're getting a Rampage this good just before Collision comes and essentially Rampage gets put on the well, back can you Can you imagine if TK keeps this up for Rampage going into <laughs> Collision? We may have to reconsider not talking about Rampage at that point. Yikes. It's just like, oh, Rampage can be anyone's. Like, oh, yeah, New Japan wrestlers can come and wrestle. That would be a very cool idea for the show. And it may, because it's going to be, you know, definitely a tertiary show, right? Nobody is going to care about it as much as Collision or Dynamite. Mm-hmm. So making it a show that any title, any promotion, anybody can appear on, but you're still going to have weeks where it feels like a darker elevation, but there are weeks that are just insanely strong. That might be really cool. I'm yeah, excited to see what they do. Definitely, it definitely opened some more doors, made uh, Rampage seem a bit more interesting uh, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. We only have two more Rampages to talk. Well, actually, technically, no, we have one more Rampage to talk about before you and I were going to stop talking about Rampage because this week on the 9th, we'll talk about that one. Uh, But the next week when we record, right, we'll be recording the week or the day after Collision debuts in two weeks. And we were planning on not talking about Rampage. We're just going to run it down like we do Ring of Honor and like we used to do Dark and Elevation. However, if it's strong, we may have to at least talk about the stuff that stands out. So we'll have to consider how we do that based on how the show goes. Um, but yeah, five stars from me, five stars from you. This was a very nice, if if it is just maybe the final two dynamites that TK puts a lot of work into, a nice solid send off for Rampage before Collision debuts, before it becomes basically a darker elevation style show. But so we'll see what they do. Yeah, agreed. This Wednesday night, looking ahead to what's coming up on Dynamite, they announced a couple things already. Not a ton of things, but a couple things. They did say we would hear from MJF the first time since Double or Nothing. We'll hear from him. So we will we will have that segment and we will likely get some sort of tease as to what is in store for him, maybe for Forbidden Door, I would assume, right? We'll probably get some sort of tease there. At least I would hope so, because Forbidden Door is less than a month away. Uh, We also may find out, like, who his next AEW opponent might be in terms of a tease. So we will see what they do. Yeah, he did say, like, I've knocked down every gladiator that's available. Like, you're running out of people who's left. Right. So it could be, yeah. Could be that we look directly towards Forbidden Door for his next challenger. And that's fine. Put him in there with Okada. Put him in there with, you know, someone that's big in NJPW and let's have a banger of a match because you know they will. Yeah, fucking fucking feed him Ishii. I just want to see Ishii slap him around for a little bit. (laughs) That'd be fantastic. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, we have a singles action between Ricky Starks and Juice. Uh, nope, Jay White, not Juice. Juice is banned from ringside, as is FTR. Yeah. So maybe we see someone crash the party here, right? Maybe we see a Tama Tonga or something make an appearance. Doubt it, but maybe. Yeah, the opportunity's there, isn't it? Like it's set up in title, so. Yeah, it's set up. We'll see what they do. Uh, we have a Texas Tornado tag match. Is AEW in Texas this Wednesday night? They are not. They are in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, they are doing a Texas Tornado tag match, which is fine. Texas Tornado tag match just means there's no tags in and out, right? Everyone's in the ring at the same time. Uh, Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, right? And Hook taking on Preston Vance and Drillistico. This is the match that was set up this past Dynamite. That's so. Perfect. Yep, they're doing that this Wednesday. And then we have an 
an international title match as Orange Cassidy defends against Swerve Strickland and hopefully Swerve wins. Yeah, I'd probably book this as the main event, to be fair. I would too, especially if Swerve's going to win. Let him close the show with the win. Let him close the show with the victory and the title up in the air. That'd be sick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, them, them but I guess it also depends on what other matches they throw. Because you know there'll be at least two or three other matches they put in here. So Yeah, yeah, just out of what we've, what we've been given so far, I'd probably put that in the main event, especially if Swerve's going to win, yeah. Agreed. We have nothing confirmed for this Friday night on Rampage, so we'll likely find out our full card on that. Just like we did last week, hopefully it's just as stacked. I was shocked, and I even freaked out in Discord when they announced the Rampage card during Dynamite. I was like, holy <laughs> fuck, this Rampage is stacked. And it ended up being exactly what I thought, five stars. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what they do with this one, though. But that's going to basically do it. Before we get out of here, you know what we need to do. Hit the gong, because it's time for the burial ground. Last week, Sev, I brought Chris Statlander up and sent Kanosuke Takeshita down, even though, again, it wasn't down <laughs> because he did anything bad or got buried. It was just because he turned on Kenny Omega, and you just don't turn on Kenny Omega. You just don't do it. It's not allowed. Anyway, Barrel Ground goes to you this week. Who's coming up? Who's going down? So this week, going down was really, really tough. I, I looked up and down the card, up and down the matches we had. We struggled for ages to find someone who I thought deserved to actually go down, uh, but ultimately, I ended on this person because I ended on uh Morrie. Okay, Little Lee. Yeah, Little Lee, because his firm, his firm got deleted, and, and now he got beaten by Shibata, and rather than that storyline continuing, Don, uh, Garcia came straight out, so it's uh, Lee got beaten, and now we're moving on. Uh, unfortunately, he's got a lot of work to do to get back up, um, but talking of up, uh, this week, because we didn't give it last week, did you give us Statlander last week? I did, yes. Yeah, rightfully so, uh, but it's time we give some praise to another lady, uh, I'm going to give it this week to Willow. Yes, uh, perfect. PW strong title and a golden opportunity. You're going up, Willow. Take it. Run with it. Absolutely. Run with what you were given. Make the most of it. And honestly, let this make you a star. You were already basically a star, right? And she was so over as it was. This this is going to kind of catapult her even further. I'm excited to see what they do with it. And I'm excited to see what even NJPW does with it. Because they haven't done much with it yet. And obviously it's only been a few weeks. But I want to see kind of where this goes before Mercedes comes back. They could do some cool things. Yeah, the future's bright. Future's bright for Willow. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good burial ground. Willow going up. Lee Moriarty going down. That's good. That's good. But I think that'll bring us to the end. Unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get out of here this week. Uh, no, I think we're all good. Uh, pre-order that fight forever so that it makes loads of money and they keep making content for it. Hell yeah. Let's get that game to fucking <laughs> sell millions of copies. Millions of copies. <laughs> all right. Well, we do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of Blood and Destroyers and all the wrestling podcasts made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. Want to help us and grow the show? Subscribe and spread the word. Details on ways to do just that can be found in the show notes on whichever podcast app you've chosen to listen to us on. And remember, in those show notes will be a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Taking us out of the episode, Seb, it's gotta be theme song of the week. Last week, I closed with Cauterize Chris Statlander's theme because she captured the TBS title. This week, the honor falls to you. What are we going with? So I've got two choices, and I didn't ask you before we started uh, if you've played any of these before. Uh oh. <laughs> well, hopefully, we've not, hopefully, we've not played both of them, or at least one of the two. Exactly. So my first choice is uh, it's gonna be the lady I put up. Have we played Willow's theme before? We have. Oh, okay. That's a no. So then my backup choice is have we played Zack Sabre Jr.'s theme for? We have not. Ah, there you go. That is what I would like to pick. 
That is a solid choice. Zack Sabre Jr. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know you what you're going to pick that. Hang on. Let me look to see what it's called. <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. NJPW theme. So he actually comes out to TMDK's music right now. So TMDK's music is titled Young Punks, and it was done by Mass Lines. So we will close out with that for this week. Now hit the music. Come 